Welcome to Inclusion Matters, produced by the Center for Inclusive Child Care, aka the CICC. We're located at inclusivechildcare.org. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast of the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Cindy Croft, and I'm here with Priscilla Weigel, an inclusion consultant with the Center. Welcome, Priscilla. Great to be back. And we want to welcome again our guest um, who is here with us, Pat Police, and Priscilla is going to introduce her. Okay, Pat, we're glad you came back one more time because we're just enjoying our conversation so much about just how to support children in general and more specifically your area of expertise, autism. Um, Pat is the Director of Autism Services for Fraser and has just really been there kind of over the years through the development of how to best meet the needs of families who are going through a possible diagnosis but also having children who are maybe struggling out there in the world of child care and really because we're the Center for Inclusive Child Care that's what we do we support and and so I'd like to kind of take this last podcast and look at really how can we help providers out there early childhood professionals who may have a child who you know just kind of can easily fly under the radar a little bit and and using the example of let's say there is this uh, you know a little person who really can go through the motions a lot of the time make those transitions they maybe have been in a center since infancy so they've learned the routine you know you talked in our last podcast about really having some structure and routine and so a child who has been a part of a center for you know all of five years, which is not very much, but when you think of the patterns that have developed, that child can be okay in a lot of ways. They've learned that you know interactive play isn't so scary when it's a predictable play. Whereas you know, just use an example of a chasing game, but they maybe are always the one being chased, and they take on that role because it's a way to connect with their peers and it's comfortable for them and it's predictable and they know how it's going to end up and the peers know this child and they go well this works with with Joey this this is something we can play with Joey because they've grown up together however when it comes time for Joey to participate in a group time that's when we see the staring off the kind of just the disconnect the you know lack of being able to follow a thought, maybe the teacher is saying, you know, we're going to go draw in our, our journals today and we're going to make something that has to do with Valentine's Day. So everyone goes to the table and they all start drawing and this little guy really is disconnected there, unable to take that thought and, and, and follow through. And so when the teacher comes by and is going to record what he's drawn, it's something completely unrelated and there may only be a few marks on the paper and so that's a glaring red flag to that teacher to say whoa this little guy's moving on to kindergarten next year what in the world are we going to do how you know so what what would be a good next step there sure. that's a great question and my mind is just filled with things of the many kids that I've seen over the course of time and um, what strikes me is what's been needed for uh, all of those children has been different in, in yeah. each of those cases um, a couple of primary things that I think about one is that uh, if you talk about a child that's been uh, well programmed for in an inclusive setting for five 
years of early childhood, one of the things that I think of is we get caught into doing some things very much the same, and when you're sure. looking forward to transition, it is important to recognize both the wonderful strategies that have been successful. So in your example of the child sitting at the table uh, drawing, I'm thinking of, you know, a way that's successful, he's there with his peers exactly. and he's doing uh, what makes sense to him, and it's not really disruptive, and he's getting something out, so are his peers. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, you're thinking of, well, what if there is an expectation in a grade and you're thinking forward to school? Yeah. I think it becomes important in those settings then to mix things up and to change some of the things and as adults to um, kind of do a trial and error. What would happen if we did our routine a little bit different and then how would the child respond? So in a way we're practicing mistakes, we're practicing coping and we're okay. giving the child some self-awareness about when he or she may need some help. So in that particular uh, situation it might not be so much that the child's needing help during the drawing but recognizing if they're off task and they're not with their peers how can they ask for help. Some of those coping strategies mm -hmm. will become very important. Similarly, I think that um, staff will probably, uh, it would be super helpful for them to be identifying what's worked in the past and what hasn't worked and kind of come up with a sheet of this is what I know, mm -hmm. uh, almost to pass the torch on to somebody uh, that's going into a new setting. And then to empower parents to uh, really become advocates for their children. They might even want to write an introductory letter. I've seen children whose families have written uh, letters every school year, and they tack on what's uh, from kindergarten all the oh, way great. up to the school ages. This is what's worked. This is what's helpful when he's become upset. This is what's uh, been useful when the child's been back in the corner. And uh, kind of uh, pass that along at the introductory meeting within the uh, school setting. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would say is it's often helpful to have uh, other people outside of the situation involved. So whether it's a consultant uh, for the uh, child care setting or it's an agency that's seen that child and done evaluation, engaging the team uh, so mm -hmm. that you can make sure that no stone uh, goes unturned uh, as that transition happens and to provide some information. Well, this is what we would expect um, the child to be involved in, in in kindergarten, and this is a skill that I would work on, or this is how uh, we can begin to help uh, look at transitioning the child. And then to take some of that information and practice that in other settings. So if groups are an issue, but they've really progressed in the child care setting, what about groups in the community, mm -hmm. like on the playground, okay. and starting to work on some of those things through trial and error. So uh, one of the big things uh, that I've uh, been talking to families about is how would you, how would this picture look different if you were to see improvement? And to try to help people think about uh, how can you measure uh, progress over time. Yeah. So in that drawing situation, what would be the next uh, step of improvement? Mm -hmm. Would it be that the drawing would be on task or would it mm -hmm. be that the child would lean over to his peer and say, look what I've drawn? Right. Mm -hmm. Or would it be that the child started and stopped uh, with the rest of the children mm -hmm. at the table? And I think one of the um, big things missing in our broader community in terms of how to think about where children start and where they go is how are we measuring that and what is a meaningful outcome.
Wonderful so point. To be thinking about that um, will help us think about the next step on the way to kindergarten as mm -hmm. well. So while there's not a, a one answer for all children, I would really encourage people to uh, think about these kids in a way that they've known them so well, both as parents and as uh, child care uh, providers, to be able to set the stage for what they needed in the future. Well, and I think, too, one thing that is oftentimes, I'll, you know, to use a negative word, it's like a trap, I think, when providers feel, oh, my goodness, you know, I think they feel somewhat guilty themselves that, how could I have let this go so long and this child's moving on from my setting now and so how can I quickly in the next three months prepare mm -hmm. them for that big jump right. but also then when the parents don't want to come along in the same way then it's kind of this us against them and why won't these parents understand that there is a big concern when really the parents are oftentimes depending on our interpretation of how their child's doing over the course of that. So you can see it's just this, it's this big mess kind mm -hmm. of at, at the point when this child really needs the most support ever when they're making the huge jump from this safe haven of five years to a whole new world. You know, and so, you know, your point, just helping, looking at how far this child's progressed, what can we do to support continued progression, and how would that look? What are the goals? Not, is he going to all of a sudden sit down and do everything perfectly? No, and what child is? You know, how can we ever guarantee that they're going to make that change to kindergarten and have every single skill ready to roll? And let me say that would be a worry of any parent transitioning. Exactly, you know, right. All different able, uh, chil differently able children. So um, I think it's uh, hard not to translate when teachers and parents are worried, p kids become worried, Bingo. and then it yeah. creates kind of this anxious situation. So if we can think about it, talk about it, so that uh, we can get some support about what it is we're really worried about, um, have some plans for practicing some of the skills that mm -hmm. might be needed, but really it's the adjustment and the coping we want this child to do well with because if they're adjusting and coping well, then the best of their skills will come forward in the setting um, as long as it's a good match. Wonderful. That's a wonderful way to kind of wrap things up. Exactly. Three-part series on autism with Pat Police. Right. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it so much. Your expertise will be greatly appreciated by our listeners. I know mm -hmm. because this is a uh, an issue. I think that that many people are uh, dealing with and trying to figure out. They want to do the best. I know with the children they're working mm -hmm. with, but they have a lot of questions and there's a lot of misinformation. And as you said early on, sometimes we fixate on the label or the diagnosis and then we sort of forget the child is many many other things besides mm -hmm. just this part of who they are they're mm -hmm. that's certainly impacting many things but they're also you know lots of other parts to the child that yes. we have to remember especially in a very busy child care program too Definitely. we want to remember all the all the fun things and, and how children laugh and what makes them tick and what engages them and also how to best serve their learning needs. So mm -hmm. it's very complicated, but as we've done in other podcasts, we want providers also to remember the joy and why they're mm -hmm. here. Right. So, so thank you both very much. We appreciate it. Pat, you're just uh, a, a, such a um, great resource mm -hmm. in the field. Definitely. And thank you, Priscilla, as always. Great. And we'll be back soon. Yes, we will.
that's all for now. See you next time.